I had to slip that in there, right? And why was he good? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. That's why he was good. Amen? He wasn't good on his own. Amen? Nobody is, right? God makes you good. He puts his spirit inside you. Amen? That's a blessing. That's good to have good theology, isn't it? Get that right. Then you, That's how you can give hope to people when you go out there and preach. You tell them that God can make you anything. God can make you good. God will make you holy. He'll give you a spirit and make you holy. Amen. It's God's doing. We thank God for it. We know it's not anything we've done. We don't have any righteousness in us except the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And His righteousness. By the way, you trusting in God's righteousness and you believing that and trusting in that, uh, that, that'll give you great peace if you just realize that it's all about Jesus and not about you. When you, start, when you continue to make things about you and you, you focus on introspection too much, then you stop focusing on Jesus, right? You, you're consumed with self. Don't be consumed with self. Be consumed with Christ. The more you're consumed with Christ, the more you'll become like Christ. That's, that's God's way. The more you look at yourself, the nastier you'll see. The nastier things you'll see. The worst things you'll see. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. See, you look at that which is perfect to become like him. To become like Christ. That's what God commands. He doesn't command us to look at ourselves and, and, and meditate on all of our failures constantly and become, become uh, consumed with our failures. By doing that, you'll just discourage yourself and you won't grow. We only grow by repenting and looking to Jesus. When we see there's, those are faults there, we repent of those things, those sins, we get them right, but we keep our eyes on Jesus, not on ourselves. That's that, to be like Christ, you have to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You've got to keep your eyes on him, not on you. You have to continue to remember that. Otherwise, you'll forget these things, and, and you'll become morbid. You'll be so discouraged, you won't want to get up and do anything. And some people don't do anything. Some Christians don't do anything for God because their eyes aren't on Christ. They're on their fellow man or on themselves. Well, that'll discourage anybody. Put your eyes on Jesus, and he'll give you hope, and he'll give you strength. Amen? All right, third sermon. Now we're getting started. Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to look at verse number 15. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind in pleasant role. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of a man are before the Lord. The ways of man are before the Lord, before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Father, please bless us now and help us as we look at your ways to avoid uh, adultery and avoid those things that happen in marriage by a good, strong foundation before marriage even. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You ought to teach children uh, what Proverbs, what this man is teaching his son. He's teaching his son that what marriage is for, the purposes of marriage, and why it's important to rejoice and to love the wife of your youth and to enjoy her uh, while you have her there and husbands and wives to love one another and to enjoy the relationship that God has given them. It is God's way, right? It is God's way uh, to do that. that. That's what God wants us to do. All right, so 
He says, drink waters out of thine own cistern. Solomon counsels his son to have nothing to do with the strange woman. See, even though you're married, as a, as a, you know, you're young and you get married and, and, and you start that relationship, you need to understand before that, the foundation of marriage is Christ. And the foundation of every marriage, the, the importance of that relationship together, one with another, the importance of it, that it's to be a completely faithful relationship between uh, husband and wife. Children need to understand the importance and severity of marriage, the importance of it, that what God says about it. And they need to understand it from the scriptures. That needs to be in their mind before they ever get married, before they get to that point that they understand marriage. That, that is a, marriage is a gift of God. God gave Eve to Adam. She was a gift. And a good wife is a gift from the Lord. So Solomon counsels his son to have nothing to do with the strange woman, to delight himself rather in his own wife. Because she has everything the strange woman has, and her genuine love and sweet submission is worth more than the selfish, hypocritical love of all the strange women in the world. There are, there are a thousand temptations for a man, even when he wakes up in the morning. There are a thousand temptations out there for a man when he goes out to work, when he goes out into this world. Ladies, you need to be mindful of the fact that your husband has a thousand temptations thrown at him constantly. That it's real and they're there. The strange women are everywhere. They're in the workforce. They're everywhere. They're around them. They're at the store. They're wherever they go. These strange women are around identifying them, understanding them like we've been doing as we've preached through that strange woman and we've talked about her attributes, what she is, how she acts, uh, the flattery of her tongue, and all those things will go a long way in, 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 in preparing our young people not to be taken up by her. But also to guard you. You know, the husband is to be ravished with his wife. says, let the, the fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. Taken with her, smitten by her. You should be. A husband should be smitten by his wife. He should be taken by her in that sense. He should be loving her. He should be in love with her. And he should lust after her. I mean that very seriously. And there's no sin in that at all. It is lawful in the eyes of God. See, all lust is not sinful. It's not sinful for you to lust after your wife. It's not sinful for a wife to lust after her husband. In fact, you ought to be. And if you're not, there's something wrong. You ought to figure out what it is. Amen. Now, I, I understand uh, what I'm about to preach to you and the things that I'm going to say to you, and nothing is going to be uh, overboard or in a wrong direction that would harm anyone at all. I, I understand that. God gives us simplicity and understanding of things to be careful, to be wise. But these things need to be talked about. I've, I've, see, I've, I've been on the other side of counseling of marriages that were destroyed and ruined by these principles not being followed. These things. And then also your daughters and your sons not being prepared for these things. 
right? And, and our, our family's not being prepared to understand these things. By the way, there's nothing dirty about that. God calls it holy. Now, there's things that you don't discuss, obviously, but God calls it holy because it is holy, because it's of the Lord. Marriage is holy. It's of the Lord. The intimacy of a husband and wife is holy. It's of the Lord when it's the way that God intended it to be. Amen? That is holy, and you ought to thank God for that. It is God's will for a man and a wife to delight in one another. That's God's will. I have met people before, I've met, I've pastored couples before, that they look more like brother and sister than they do husband and wife. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. I'm not saying you've got to be like overly affectionate or whatever in public. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying that. You, you don't take it to a level that's not appropriate. I, I get that. But you, you look at it and you watch it and it's like they look like their brother and sister. Like they, I mean, it's weird. I, it's, just, it's just weird. Like cold, you know, like ice, you know, like not. You can tell even by the way that they talk to each other and they discuss, you know, it's just, it's not. Right? Like, they're strangers. Like, they don't know each other. Like, some of you have been married for a while. You pretty much understand how your husband thinks or your wife. Like, you pretty much kind of get that. Most, a lot of women are better at that than men. But that's really not a man's fault. I mean, it's like, <laughs> a wife's heart is, a, is like a deep well that you have to, you have to, you got to dig deep in to understand, but that's, that's, but wives usually typically understand a lot of what their husbands are thinking where other people won't, they'll, they pretty much understand how they think in a lot of ways, which is good, right? But you should have that closeness. You should have that relationship. You should have that, that closest one with another, right? It, it should be there. Your children should see that. Your children need to see a strong marriage. Amen. Your children need to see that. They need to see a strong marriage. They need to see a loving marriage. They need to see a man that, is, that loves his wife and a wife that loves her husband. They need to see that, that there's a tenderness between them like they don't speak roughly to each other. They don't yell at each other, right? They don't speak um, mean to each other. There's a tenderness there. You keep that tenderness there. If it's not there, you repent of it. You make it tender. You ask God to reveal that to you. That, that needs to be tender. There needs to be a tenderness there between one another. Familiarity sometimes when you're, when you're a husband and wife's familiarity one with another. And at times, even the people that we're closest to that we love, we think sometimes we can treat them poorly. That's not right. The ones that show you love and the ones that are kind to you, you treat with, ki you treat with kindness your enemies. You ought to treat those that you love with kindness. Right? We're commanded to be kind one to another, tender-hearted. That's important. Paul is showing, or not Paul, but uh, uh, Solomon is showing, his father is showing here that, you know what, don't delight in a strange woman. The instructions that he's been given from his parents is to delight himself in his wife. That, that, should, be, that should be your life as a husband. You should be delighting yourself. You, you should be delighting yourself uh, and it, by the way, it's a way, it, it is God's ordained way to avoid adultery. Did you think it was just your strong will to, 
to do you think wife do you think it's your husband because he goes to church he reads the bible he prays and all those things are important and they're god's way and we all should do that but do you think that's enough for him do you think that's enough or do you want to believe what god says in his word i want you to turn to first corinthians chapter 7 I like the fact that the Apostle Paul is literally repeating everything that's in this, these Psalms here. He's repeating them, or Proverbs, excuse me, he's repeating those principles here. What does that mean for you and I? It means we better pay attention to it because it's given to us. He's reminding us of the same principles of marriage, that they haven't changed. Amen. That they're important. See, I would rather see your families, I would rather see your marriages thrive than your, we're going to talk about that, than your children are going to thrive than this church is going to thrive. Spiritually, I mean. You understand that? When, when, when husband and wife are right, and, and the fruit of the husband and wife that come from that, their children, they, they're like a fountain that's dispersed to everyone. You, you, you're a blessing to everyone. Right? That's what... And then you're a blessing to the church, which is God's command for you to be. It, it's just, it's the way God intended it to be. It's not just for yourself. It's not just for you to say, well, I'm glad my family's okay. Praise the Lord. They ought to be. But you're to be a blessing to others. I'll tell you what. I've met men that have a rotten relationship with their wife and they go out and preach. They really got a nasty spirit when they don't love their wife at all. <laughs> I've seen them. They're just nasty. Nasty talking to, to, to their wives. Just mean. I don't mean like pervert. I'm talking about mean. Just being mean. Right? They got a mean spirit and they talk to their wives in a mean way. Then they go out there and they want to preach out in the street and then they're pouring out their wrath out there. But they're not, they're not loving to their wife at home. Amen. That's not right, friend. We can't do that. That's hypocrisy. God will never bless that. None of us are perfect, but we ought to be wanting to be. Amen. We ain't perfect. We, make, we, we sin. We make mistakes. We got to get right with God. We got to do all those things. But we ought, the general direction of our lives should be towards Christ and towards perfection. Right? Maturity. Mature in the Christian life. That's what God wants. Look what God said. This is God's ordained way to avoid adultery in your marriage. This is God's. I think I should listen up to this, right? Now, concerning the things wherever you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Well, that's to avoid fornication. Amen. Amen. If you don't touch him, you won't sin. Somebody says, well, if I'm not married, uh, is it wrong for me to put my arm around her? Well, I know this, that if you don't touch her, you won't fornicate with her. Amen. That's a good, I mean, that's a good rule, right? I mean, it's good, it's good to follow. It's good, good rule, right? I mean, good, I, if you follow, you sure wouldn't hurt anything, would you? You wouldn't be sad about it. I realize the implication that is here, it's talking about fornication, right? But what I'm saying to you is, is that when young people get together like that, it's easy for them to, want to be affectionate. And that's, that's totally normal once you start caring for somebody. That's, by the way, that's why I don't believe in having super long courtships. Because once you've already started that, I mean, what's the point? If you've both been raised that marriage is of the Lord, I mean, that's why the Bible says if they can't contain, they should marry. Right? 
I, I, I believe that. I believe that, especially in the day and age we live in. Listen to me. People are inundated with sexual perversion constantly. It's wherever they go. They're inundated with it. You know, so we, we got we, we to we, we gotta be careful with that, not to put undue stress on, on young people anyway. Because, I mean, you can be, like, totally unfair. Well, if they're not perfect, I don't want to marry them. Well, you weren't perfect either, buddy. We ain't going to go back in a time machine and see how you were. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right? We're going to go back and see how bad you were, right? So we want to, I'm not saying that you don't, you're not careful, you're not watchful. And you don't teach and, you know, get through things. But, but be careful about how critical you are. Because we can be critical. I mean, we, if there's anything we can be, we don't have a problem being critical. We have a problem being charitable. Right. <laughs> our, pro- our problem isn't being critical. We're real good at that. We can, <laughs> we can be critical. It's being charitable, right? That's a problem. Charity, right? That's, that's a problem. Anyway, he says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Amen. And let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Due benevolence. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. My body, my choice? Nah. Right? Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. By the way, if, if God's people, if in your marriage you defraud one another from what is lawfully theirs, that's what it means to defraud them. It's something that is lawfully theirs. The husband, the wife is lawfully the husband's and the husband's, husband is lawfully the wife's. That's God's way. So, in other words, if you're defrauding one another... You're stealing. You're withholding. You're not loving. And you're defrauding. And God says if you defraud one another, Satan's going to use it. Now, I'm telling you what. I have seen this in fundamental Baptist churches. And I have heard this same story for many men that the marriage reaches a certain level they reach a certain age and then they cut off all of the marriage bed and all of those things and grow very cold paul is telling you that if you do this satan is going to tempt you but i'll tell you what You do a search among Baptists and look at their sermons and see if they ever discuss these things. You have the Apostle Paul, who's the Apostle to the Gentiles, who gives clear instructions about this. And he is telling you that if you do this, you're defrauding one another 
and Satan is going to tempt you. He's going to tempt you. Young people need to understand as they go into marriage, those things are important. Those principles are important. That they understand that. And by the way, if you think that if you assume that people know these things already, (laughs) I'm sorry they don't. We go out and preach to people on the street that are Baptists and they don't have a clue of the things that we're saying. And then you go to churches and you realize they don't have a clue. Why? Because their pastors aren't teaching them. Because they may be uncomfortable to talk about. Well, I don't really like enjoy talking about these things. It's like giving. I don't, <laughs> I don't like really talking about that either. I do it because God commands me to do it when he commands me to do it, right? But I don't really like talking about that. I don't like talking about that. Right? Any of those. This is not like a a fun topic to talk about. I'd rather preach on the sodomite sin and stuff, you know, to make you feel good and make me feel good and we'll feel like we're better to everybody. But that's just not how it works. (laughs) We, We have to preach on these things because I want your marriage to be strong. And if I withheld this from you and I didn't talk about this stuff, I would be doing you a great disservice. And I would have to answer to God because I said, oh, I think I'll skip over that because it'll make people uncomfortable. Well, maybe you need to be uncomfortable. Maybe I need to be uncomfortable. That's how people get right with God. They get uncomfortable first. And they start thinking about it. Like, huh. Man, that's right. Well, this, I, what I like about this is it's just plain scripture. Like you, if you're arguing with this, you're arguing with God. Because I'm just reading you what the Bible says here. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. And you have this new term that came out probably with psychology in the last 50 years or whatever called marital rape. Now, I never figured out how that thing worked as they explained that to me, because that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How could a husband and wife not love each other anyway like that and think that they would force anything or do Why would you need to? You got more problems than that. You better figure out what they are, <laughs> right? Because if, if you ever entertain that, that notion or that understanding of something su- such nonsense and that a husband and a wife would look at each other in that fashion, that's a terrible thing. That's not love. That isn't love at all. None of it's love. That whole, that whole concept of that isn't love. It's weird, and it's perverse and it's worldly. It's wicked to even think like that. But I'm telling you, your kids are going to hear that. They're going to hear, well, uh, that pastor believes in marital rape. No, I don't. I don't even believe it exists. I also don't believe if you ever, if you ever did that, you don't love them. You're, you're not loving anyway. Any, either one of you aren't loving one another like you should. How do you go from A to Z like that? Like what happened? I know, let's go back, let's walk through it. I'll walk through it with you, let's do it. And then you'll find out where that all, where that all plays out and why. It's nonsense, it's foolishness. The Bible says the wife hath not power of her own body but the husband, and the husband hath not power of somebody but the wife. Wait, you mean I belong to somebody? Yeah, thank God. Number one, you belong to God. If you're a Christian, and number two, if you're married, yeah, 
That's why you don't, that's why a man doesn't go get to commit adultery on his wife because he's defrauding her. He's stealing from her because his body belongs to her and her body belongs to him. Do you believe that? That's what God said. Boy, that's foreign concept today in our, in our society of, of liberty being used as a cloak of maliciousness. That sounds terrible to people today. But remember, that's supposed to be a bond of love. You're supposed to love each other. You're not supposed to hate each other. Why would a husband and wife look at each other like that? It's, it's odd. Like, it's just a straight, for Christians, I understand what the world does. We ain't even talking about them. We're talking about Christians loving one another. How could you not? Human autonomy. Human autonomy. Right, you are one flesh, that's right. We are one. So what I do, I drag my wife into. What she does, she would drag me into. God made us one. My goodness, love your wife. Love your husband. Love each other. It's like, you want to know where love is? Let's talk about that love. Love one another. Love your wife. It's like a novel idea today that I have to stand up here and preach that, right? And I know not to you primarily. You understand that. But I'm trying to strengthen that bond with the scriptures. I want you to understand what God says, that you're not your own. Like, we don't live our lives. It's like as church members, we are one body, not in the sense of a union of marriage, but together. Like, if I go out and sin, I affect the body here. If I don't live right, or if I'm a jerk, or if I'm mean to people, or if I, if I uh, cheat and steal and lie and become a drunk or a whore or anything else like that, I'm defrauding you. That's why we really do need each other. God made it so. Did you know that God made it that you need each other? He made it that. I thank God for it. Man, I thank God that I'm not some lone ranger going out there trying to preach by myself at the state fair. I thank God that I have like 15 men that are going out there together. Going out there as a church. We're not going out there from a weak position. We already won. Do you, I mean, I, I look at that. That's the same thing with your marriage. God has gifted you with a wife. Man, I could, listen to me, and I want to make this very clear to anybody who doesn't understand this. I do not believe that the men of this church could go do what they're doing without you women doing what you do. I believe that wholeheartedly. With everything in me, I believe that. Because God made it so. And your sacrifices are, your, you'll receive those crowns and reward in heaven as well. For every single soul that was influenced by the gospel that we went out and preached. Your reward is the same as ours. As they that stood by the stuff and as they that went out to the battle. Your reward is the same. Don't you forget that. You, when, I, when I preach, you be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. I'm talking to you ladies. Amen. You're sticking by the stuff. You're staying there. And David said, according to the Lord, you receive the same reward. Amen. And you better remember that. 
Because I don't believe it at all that we could do that. I, I don't. I, I, man, if my wife was, was, was waffled, if you women were waffled and you weren't in your place doing what you're doing, do you know how weak that makes us? Do you know how weak it makes us? It weakens us. And Satan knows it. So that's why he wants to attack the church and he wants to attack marriage. And he wants, he wants, he wants us not to be right about these things. Because look what it says he'll do. Look what it says here. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. You know what that incontinency is? It's a lack of self-control. A lack of being able to control the passions that men and women have. That Satan will use that. And I'm not just speaking to the women, I'm speaking to the men too. There are men that withhold from their wife the same thing as well. There are men that do that, believe me. I met a man one time that withheld from his wife when he married her for 10 months. No, I'm not. I'm dead serious. 10 months. And I'm pastor and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? What in the world? And I'm like, could you imagine sitting in your council and you're trying to, you're sitting there and you're talking to this. <laughs> like, and he just happens to say, I'm, I'm with this man by himself and I'm, I'm sitting there and he happens to say, well, I mean like, so I was like, cause I mean, there was like fighting and arguing and like they weren't getting along and everything. I was like, it's like a, there was like a, a there, it was like a war. And I'm like, well, I mean, like you guys have, are observing the marriage bed and everything, right? Like everything's okay. I, I hate to, you, you don't understand how much I loathe and hate to ask that question. I hate it. I hate, you think, oh yeah, you like, no, I hate it. It's the weirdest thing ever because I got to jump into the fire. And you think I want to jump in the fire? Brother, I've been burned. You think I want to jump in there? I don't want to, but I have to. So I said, okay. And the guy looked at me and goes, oh, Maybe like this or that. And I was like, well, like, like maybe once or twice. And I'm like, oh, like a, a week or something. <laughs> and I was like, it's like, um, like for 10 months. And then I found out it was nothing. Like when I got down, it was like nothing. Wait, wait, I said, wait, you mean to tell me that you were married for 10 months and you never consummated the marriage? I'm like, so like when people look at me like, why are you preaching on this? Oh, I don't know. You'd be shocked. Can't tell you a lot of things, but I'm just telling you there's a necessity. I I looked at him. I was like, I mean, first thing I'm thinking is, what are you gay? I mean, are you queer? The world's wrong with you. (laughs) Well, what would you expect me to say? Right? I'm like, what do you expect me to say? I mean, what, what would you think of it? I was shocked. Like, I just said, like, would you believe that if somebody, you'd be like, no, nah, that ain't true. Either. Just a little boy, that's right, that didn't need to be married. Didn't need to be married. Wasn't ready to marry. That was a mess. 
Ended up jumping off the roof of his house. Went to a psych ward for 72 hours. I've met a lot of psycho people in my life. Actually, since I've been saved, I thought people were crazy when they seen golden roosters and purple dinosaurs and everything else. It wasn't, not, I mean, it, I, I thought that was crazy. Nah, nah, I met more crazy people being in the ministry than I did when I was lost. I met some crazy people, man. And they weren't even on drugs. Right? I thought my life was crazy before I got saved. I was like, no, that was just in preparation. Because <laughs> that was nuts. I mean, just crazy. Jumped off, jumped out the roof, tried to, I mean, grabbed the woman by the throat and was like choking her and all kinds of, so like, I had to tell her, you know, um, don't go back there. Because he was, that dude was saying something. He goes, yeah, I better, I better go to this place. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I better, I better, go. I'm like, Okay. And I told her, leave. Leave, because he might kill you. What would you tell him? Would you want, okay, let me ask you a question. And this is the hard, this is what gets me in trouble with other fundamental Baptist pastors. But, but let me tell you this. What would you do if you were me? And what if I didn't tell her to do that? And what if he killed her? <laughs> right? So what did I do? I do what I always tell him to do. Go see your mom and dad. Let, they can sort it out, right? This is a church matter. That's a family matter. I don't have a problem with it. Don't put me in the middle of it. I'm cool. You guys work it out. But go see your mama. Because she will hit him right in the head with a frying pan if he comes in. She will knock him out. Right there. Dong. He'll be done right on the ground. Dead. He, ain't getting he wasn't getting through, brother. You ain't, you, ain't, you ain't getting past mama. Say that right now. You better have an old army at that door to get past mom at that point. It ain't happening. Or dad. It ain't happening. Anyway, but so you say, well, why do you have to preach it? That's why. That's one of the reasons. One, it's in the Bible. Two, I've seen it. I've seen some crazy things. But the Bible says that Satan will tempt you for your incontinencies. That's why a husband-wife's relationship is so important. That physical relationship is a gift from God. Right? Done God's way, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm not being dirty. I'm not being, um, I'm not speaking, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number four. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You ever wonder why whoremongers and adulterers don't get judged in this earth? Are right away by like the law, the, the government? Well, they don't have to. God says He judges them, God says He does. And if it don't happen completely in this life, it's happening in the next. If they don't repent. They, see, if you repent, you're no longer a whoremonger or a adulterer, are you? You repented. God forgave you. But if you, if you never repented and put your faith and trust in Christ, you're still guilty. Praise God. God wipes all guilt away. That's why we go out and we tell them, you may have murdered your baby yesterday, but God will forgive you today. Amen. Amen. I have the hope to give you. I, I can tell you how God can, can, can take that weight off of you and forgive you of your sins. Amen? Any, any, any sin, God will forgive you. Amen? And for the saved, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will forgive us. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? That's a ble- I have hope. I, I, there's nobody out there that I look at them and say, well, you, you sin too much. God can't forgive you for that. You're a sodomite. You're a transgender. You're this, you're that. No, 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 no. He covers all sin. Nothing is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing fulfilled the law except Jesus Christ. No one fulfilled the law except Jesus Christ. I am judged by what Jesus did for me. I am not judged by my sin. Jesus paid it all. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful message? I think it's wonderful. People say it's hate. I think it's love. It's the most loving thing ever. Amen. So we see here that Paul, he says the same thing here, that marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. Within the bounds of holy matrimony, there's no sin in the physical relationship in that point when it's done God's way and what God has said. And both the husband and the wife should have pleasure one, one with another from it. Um, God's word describes this plainly with no shame. It's not a shameful thing. By the way, it's not a shameful thing for your children to understand at their level what that means. It doesn't need to be any more than that. They'll figure it all out when they get married. By the way, you don't need to be descriptive with children and as they're growing. They'll figure it out. Amen. We don't do that. We don't do that stuff. You know, you, you, just, you let God show them those things. You guide them in the right way. God will reveal everything that he wants them to know. Amen. Marriage is not only... Uh, is not only for producing children, it's for pleasure as well. That was God's plan. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Let's, let's remember God's original plan. I said that to him last night when I said this is God's original plan. Jesus covered it. Jesus covered uh, against sodomite marriage. He covered what real marriage was. Jesus covered that. Verse number 21 through 25. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That better be how you look at your wife. If I want to make my life comfortable and better but I don't want to make my wife's life comfortable and better. If I'm, if I'm okay with pleasing myself, but I'm not, I don't want to please my wife. I don't want her to be, and I mean that in the bonds of what's right. But if I, if I will buy the best things for myself and the worst things for her, ouch, come on. Come on, think about that for a second now. If she's bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh, right? I know none of you would say this statement. Well, she doesn't deserve to have that. Really? Yeah, and you do? Yeah, that's right. I mean, think about that. If, oh, she doesn't deserve to have that. Now, sometimes wives are very frugal and they don't want it. They're just like, I don't, I don't really, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't really want, you don't have to do that. That's okay. Well, sometimes you should just do it anyway for him. Amen. Sometimes you just do it anyway for him. Well, I don't, you don't have to do that. I know I don't, but I want to. 
Amen. Don't get quiet on me now. It's true, isn't it? You could sometimes say, well, maybe you don't have to, but well, I want to. Now, there's some, but, but most God-fearing women are very frugal. They don't really care about some things like that, but you should care. You should care. You should say, huh. Sometimes we can be selfish. You, that wouldn't be you, would it? As a man, sometimes you can be selfish. Oh, I know I can be. I'll fully admit it to you. I know I can be. Amen. Because if I didn't say that, I'd just be a liar. And I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be a selfish liar. <laughs> Amen. I repent of the selfishness, but I don't want to be. I don't. I don't want to be a selfish liar, though. Okay. Right. But we we think think about that. That's part of care and love, right? If I think that what. And I'm not talking about giving somebody everything they want. What I'm saying is do a little comparison in your mind. I'm not saying for me, I'm not doing anything. That's your marriage. That's between you and the Lord. But when I start to look at things, I have to look at that and I have to say, well, do I have the same care for my wife as I have for myself? Because I'm supposed to. Ooh. Maybe I don't do that. I'm not saying keep a, a score. Keep a list. I'm not saying that. It's a general mindset. Right? Like, it's a general mindset of, under, of love and compassion and care. Like, you know what? Now, again, women are a little different than men. And a lot of times, especially godly women, they, don't, they may not care for that. They may not really want They'll be like, I don't want you to do that. They might say that to you. That's okay. For, again, sometimes you just say, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Amen. It's okay. So that's, marriage is not only for producing children, it is for pleasure. Thus, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every, every uh, woman have her own husband. That's what, that's what Paul said. Right? It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. We're one. So if I don't, if I don't take care of my wife, if I don't love her, if I don't nourish her, if I don't cherish her, I'm not taking care of myself. Right? I'm not, I'm not taking care of myself. It's a poor representation. Amen. It's important. By the way, back to what we we're talking about as far as the marriage bed goes, there's no guilt of conscience or danger, or disease, or fear of dishonor with, the, with what God's given in the marriage bed, right? What God has given. But you know something? The world, they're, they're, these that are adulterers and fornicators and whoremongers, God will judge. They have such shame that they live their lives with. They run around like a bunch of dogs in heat. And they're not happy. None of them are. They give their bodies away. I feel so sorry for these women out there. These girls. It, it, it breaks my heart. These girls are walking around. Girls like your age, you young ladies that are 16, 17, 18, 19, maybe 20 now, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, they're, they're that age, right? And they're running around in little T-shirts up to here and short shorts beyond whatever. And it's like you're, you don't talk to them. They just move on and they do whatever. But they're there and they're real. And I... 
They have no self-worth. They are giving their bodies to men that don't even care for them. Yeah, they're like a piece of meat passed around. They're giving up their purity, their bodies, their dignity, their honor. They're giving it up for someone who doesn't even care for them. It's, it's heartbreaking to see. And I'm like, how can their fathers let them leave the house looking like that? It's just, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. One man said it this way, whatever interrupts the harmony in marital relationship opens the door to temptation. The best defense against immorality is a tender, satisfying, well-cared-for marital relationship. Amen. We see this protection from moral temptation is accomplished by the maintenance of a godly home as well. It is described in Proverbs as a cistern and a fountain and a river that contains pure water. In Proverbs 5, 16, 18, it's a fountain that flows out, right? It's a pure fountain there. This fountain of water is pure because it is blessed of God, but it must be jealously guarded so as not to allow it to be contaminated and poisoned. The husband must take his job of headship seriously and not neglect his marriage and children. He must love his wife as his own body and nurture her and dwell with her according to knowledge and honor her and not be bitter against her. Look at Ephesians 5. Remember, I I taught on this on Wednesday, not in our message but in my broadcast if you ever get a time to listen to that it's 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 uh on what it means to put on christ you ought to listen to that it's a bible study it's about two hours take you a while to get through it but it'll help you and but don't worry i'll probably preach it again when i get to that portion of ephesians and you won't remember it so uh, but (laughs) that's how we are right ephesians 5 26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Amen. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Same picture. Don't don't ruin the picture, right? Your marriage is a picture of the Lord and his church. It's a picture of that that body, right? That that membership, that that love, that that, uh, coming together. Colossians chapter 3. Verse number 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. That's a warning for husbands not to become bitter. Be not bitter against them. The wife must take her job seriously. Submitting to the husband as under the Lord, and reverencing him and serving him with a meek and quiet spirit, being a discreet, chaste keeper at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 
you ought to take it seriously that God saved you, gave you a husband, and made you to be a keeper at home. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Some man, ta- uh, there, was a, there was a post on Facebook uh, this week, and this man, or this, this woman talked about, she, she talked about this school, it was a post about schools, and it said, maybe teachers ought to put a camera in their classrooms and show you how your children behave all the time. This is a Christian people. And I said, well, maybe you should just keep your children at home and take care of them yourself, and you wouldn't have to worry about that. That was like dropping a bomb. She got on there and said, well, not everybody can do that. I, a single woman, I said, I understand single women can't do that. We're talking about married Christian women that have a husband. If they're Christians and they have a husband, then he should take care of his wife. And, he should take, and that the wife can take care of the children. And she said, she said this, and I'm not kidding, your husband owns a business. And she said, well, I got tired of being at home and having nothing to do. They only have one child. I got tired of being at home and having nothing to do. So I went to work with my husband. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with her helping her husband. Right? There's nothing. There is something wrong with neglecting your child, though. And for your husband to want you to neglect your child. And he said, well, he's, he's homeschooled uh, through the Internet. He does homeschool through the internet. I was like, you know, the Bible says a child left himself bringing his mother to shame. She goes, does this make me a bad mother because I wanted to go to work and do this? I said, yes. <laughs> One word, yes. And that was the big bomb. <laughs> then, her, then her husband came on and he was like, look, my wife didn't have anything to do at home. I'm like, I was just like, what? Well, she's not going to sit around and be idle and do nothing. I was like, you think, you think keepers at home sit around and are idle and do nothing? Really? Like, you don't think they have anything to do? I was like, how about, how about guiding the home and raising children? Oh, we keep a tidy home. We all help out. I said, that verse isn't in primarily in reference to keeping a tidy home. That's part of it. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about guiding the home and raising children. Right? It's not talking about just, like, making sure the floor's swept. It's like, what do you think a wife is supposed to do? It just baffled me. I'm like, really? I was like, so you think, that, you think that your son's 15 years old and it's a great time to leave him at home with Internet access at home by himself at 15 years old? Well, I didn't have internet access, but I was home at 15 by myself, and I can't even tell you what I did because it's not even lawful for me to tell you. Okay? That's what I told him, too. I said, I know what trouble I got into at 15 years old. You really think it's wise to leave your son? The Bible said, and he made a comment like, well, some, I, some comment, and I said, well, I'll end it with this. You think you know more than God and your way's better than God's way. But you will find out that it won't be. Because it isn't. Nothing can improve on God's way. Nothing. 
you won't you won't improve. And if you think a 15-year-old boy doesn't need his mother, you're nuts. You're crazy. I was going to say drop dead, but I was I didn't do that pause. <laughs> no, I I didn't. I wasn't good. <laughs> That was what some preacher said one time. It was funny. <laughs> he didn't really mean it, but <laughs> anyway, mothers must love their children and train them in the Word of God. That's what Eunice and Lois did, right? They trained young Timothy, and that from a child that was known the Holy Scriptures. It wasn't the dad that was there doing it. Dad had to go to work, right? Dad was gone. Dad's out there. Yeah, he's going to do some of it. But see, the husband isn't the one that always does that. He's the one that delegates that. He's the one that he sets that tone for the home as far as we're going to follow God. The wife and the husband are in agreement together. So when I'm not home, my wife is speaking in my name. Right? So if you disrespect your mother, you're disrespecting me. Make no di There's no difference between that. Right? You get that, right? You disrespect my, my wife, you're disrespecting me. And as you teach your sons that and your daughters that, if you speak wrong to your mother, you're speaking wrong to me. We are one flesh. We are the same. Amen. They understand. That's, that's how that works. That's how the husband is nourishing and cherishing his children, too, through his wife. Because that's her ministry. That's what she does. That's the importance of it. Keeping a godly home will keep adultery far from it. Following the pattern that God has, has laid down will keep that adultery and that sin far from it. Because it's a fountain that is dispersed from a godly marriage that goes out to the children. Now, that doesn't mean your children may not grow up and rebel against you. They may. And God's going to deal with them. By the way, if any of you young people think you're going to get away with anything or you're smarter than God, you ain't getting away with nothing. All you're going to do is bring sorrow to your heart later. Because once you do get right with God, if you do... Once you do get right with God, your heart is going to be filled with so much sorrow, regret, pain, remorse. And yeah, God will wipe your sin away and he will forgive your sin, but you will never be able to erase it from your mind. Because right. the worst thing that Christians do in sin is betraying God who loved them. It's like taking the knife that's, that it's like holding the hand of the man that took the knife and slayed your brother. that slayed Christ and you hold the hand of the slayer. That's what, it, that's what it means to sin like that. That's what it means to do that. To betray, especially him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And I don't care what kind of reasoning you try to reason around it. It's treason. It's treason to God. That's all it is. You're not going to go around it. It's treason. You're betraying what the Lord taught you and gave you. And thank God for his forgiveness, because he will forgive you. But I'll tell you what, you'll have a hard time forgiving you. Because it's hard to forget. When you know the truth, and you have the truth, and you sin against the truth. Amen. Fathers must bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and not provoke them to anger. I hear in Christian homes of fathers calling their daughters names. Nasty names. Calling their wives nasty names. In a Christian home?
talking to your wife like that? In a Christian home? Speaking like that to your wife and children? Calling your daughter's names? Speaking to them like that? And by the way, that's not an isolated incident. I've heard it many times from people saying that. You're supposed to nurture and care for them, not destroy them with your words. Man, I'd rather you not speak five words to them if the five words you're going to speak to them are going to be nasty. Talking like the world like that. We're, we're supposed that, that marriage is supposed to be a fountain that disperses godliness and holiness throughout to our children. That's what it's to be. And though that's what God made it to be. Children must obey and honor their parents in the Lord. Godly parents, they can't obey evil. Amen. They can't go obey evil. You don't obey evil. That good may come of it. That's how you had a holocaust. Right? You don't do that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest be, live long on the earth. Children, you have a duty to obey that which you've heard, what you've been taught. Right? God's will for marriage is are that they be fruitful. The marriage union is not merely a well that provides nourishment and enjoyment for the family itself. It's described as a fountain dispersing refreshing water all around and a river of water flowing its life-giving stream to many places. This, first of all, is to the children that are the product of the marriage, right? Our children are the fruit of our marriage. Amen. They're the fruit of our marriage. But you have people today that say that many children are a curse. They look at us with such disdain when you have a large family. They, they just look at you like... It's like we were at an appointment with a midwife uh, at the hospital and they got this folder and they take out this folder and then, and then they got this thing. It's like, and this is how if you want to, uh, what you can do if you want to prevent having another pregnancy. And they skip there. And we're looking at them like, yeah, okay. Does it look like we want to prevent a pregnancy? Right? Does it look like that's why, uh, I mean, it is number eight. You know, we look like we want to, like we're trying to prevent it or, like, oh, you don't know how that happens? No, I think we do. It's right. So, it, by the way, that it's just antichrist. They can't help it, though. That's what's in them. They, they have to do it. They say that, you know, that strict family planning is popular now. You know what family planning is? You know what that is? You get married, and that's family planning. You got married and you're planning to have a family, right? How many ever the Lord gives you, that's what you have. Isn't that what family planning? I mean, if you, I, you getting married was family planning, okay? Not what the world called. Do you see how they take all these terms? And they're just like, you know what? This is family planning. I'm teaching you right now to get married. And guess what? You done planned a family. Right? Because that is how it works. I mean, that's family planning, right, Garrick? 
You didn't have any children. You got married. You had a baby. Right? That's family planning. That's what it is. He's not confused. He gets it. There you go. You know more than most doctors do. It's great. Amen. Yes, I do mock them. I have no problem with it. I, I, I have no... I, they're antichrist to the core. They hate God. They hate children. You're going to go out there and we're going to take those, 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 those signs out there and you're going to see, and I want every bit of it recorded. Every bit of their nasty reactions to everything, I want it recorded. Parental discretion is advised. So don't let your kids watch that video. It'll be on Rumble, not on Sermon Audio. I put it on there on purpose because that's a, kind of a world format. The other one is like for... And I don't, I don't put it on there because I don't want cussing on, on there because sometimes they do cuss and we can't control that. But you know what? I want people to see how they react and how much they hate children. They hate them. They're holding their children in their arms and they hate them. They hate, and I'm like, I am scared for those kids. You see them walk away and they usher them away from us. And, I, and they tried to plug this kid's ears. And I got on that microphone and I screamed out, Remember the name of Jesus, kid! Remember that Jesus saves! Remember in your darkest hour, kid, that Jesus will save you. She didn't do very good to block me, did she? Amen. Children are a blessing of the Lord. Turn to, we're almost done here. Uh, turn to Psalm 127. People wonder why we get so fired up. You wonder why? I go out there into a world. We're, we're about ready to go out there into a world that absolutely hates children and is not the, bit, the, 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 the lightest bit moved by the murder of babies. They laugh about it. They remind me of a nasty movie I watched as a lost man, uh, Silence of the Lambs where Hannibal Lecter is eating like brains and stuff out of people, like he's a cannibal. And that's what they remind me of. I had those, I had those sodomites tell me they wanted to eat babies' brains. Like they told me that right when I'm out there. They told, they, yeah, they told us that, right? Yeah, they, they say it right there. So I was like, well, I, we're going to bring those signs today and we're just going to, we're going we're gonna to remind you. Hey, just remember, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. I ain't apologizing for it. Not one bit. They ought, to, they ought to ask for forgiveness for murdering babies and thinking it's normal, laughing and joking about it. Think it's funny as they murder babies. And as they joke about it, as they, as they, they you, you guys don't have a uterus. Wow, genius, you figured that out, huh? Wasn't from public education, was it? Now you understand what a woman is, right? Now you get it. That's what they yell at us. I see there's all white men here. I'm kind of tan. I'm not really that white. The Bices are white. They're like white skinnies. I'm, I'm not that white. They're like white little skinnies. I'm, I'm not that white. Right? That's white. That's, they're, I'm not that white. And Jacob definitely ain't. He's, I don't know, he's red. He's red and hairy. Y'all, Esau. Anyway. <laughs> Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. 
Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. What does that mean for us? It means that, hey, you see these young boys going out there speaking with the enemies in the gate today? Isn't that what that means, Brother Paul? Amen. That's, that's peaceful. That's not, I mean, that's peaceful for us. Spiritually, it's war. Physically, it's peaceful. Amen. We're taking a bunch of men out there today, and they're going to speak with the enemies in the gate. Isn't that where we're going? Amen. To the gates of the city? To preach the gospel to them? And what do we have? A generation of young men coming with us. God's promise for not murdering your babies. Not withholding life. Not taking pills. Amen. By the way, this and this standard that this church holds and the things that we preach about this does keep many people from coming here. It does. Yeah, it does. Because I won't budge on it. I will not budge on what God said in there. I will not move on that. And I will preach it to an antichrist generation. I, we have to. Yeah. I mean, we, we have to preach it to them. We also for, preach the forgiveness of the Lord for any mistakes and sins that any of us have made, right? Right? You're not talking to men that haven't experienced life and sinned against the Lord and counted themselves murderers. But God forgave their sin and they get up there and they preach with passion and desire to see men saved and see you not kill your babies. Amen. Man. All right, I better stop. We'll footnote it here and pick it up again next week. I don't know what I'll title it, but that's okay. It'll be like right in the middle of everything, but that's all right. It's good. Proverbs 5 has taken a while to get through. This is all Proverbs 5, mostly. Then we go everywhere else in the scriptures, but it's good. I just don't want you to ever forget God's principles for marriage. To avoid adultery, but also to have a loving and kind family. That that love pours out throughout, and it affects every... You don't think people don't notice your family and the difference? They do. They see it. They see it. I'm just happy when I show up to church and girls know they're girls. And they look like them too. That is like, that's refreshing. <laughs> Isn't it? It's just, and men look like men. Right? Like, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's, like, it's awesome. Like, we can tell the difference in everything. It's a wonderful thing because pretty soon when you go out, you're going to be able to tell the difference. Like, Garrett got fooled the other day. Garrett got fooled, didn't you? He's like, look, lady, he's a work in, she's a work in progress. <laughs> Got any plans with the missus? <laughs> is, that what, is that what happened, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> Cannot. Well, I can easily see what's before me here, though, thank God. 
They don't make it hard for me to discern that. Amen. Thank God. <laughs> Did she look at you and say, God, he plans with the missus? I don't know why they think Christians don't have any fun. I have a lot of fun. Amen. I think serving the Lord is a lot of fun, right? Amen. Right? We told them that out there. We have a lot of fun. We have joy, right? Rejoice in being seated. Garrett got slapped in the face. Oh, I forgot about that. He got the anointing yesterday. Garrett got slain in the spirit. It was a sweaty slap. He got... What? Okay. All right. What happened? Why did that lady... Was it a lady? Okay. You sure? Oh, it was an old nasty granny? Did well, she I smack you? I didn't know she grabbed. There's three generations there of talking. There's the grandmother, then there's the mother, then there's your daughter. And the mother came up and she said, because I was holding the abortion ban. Mother or murder? She said, yeah. She said, I'm both. She said, I'm having, I have, I've had an abortion. I'm still a mother. I said, well, well, that means you're a bad mother then. Oh, and that bad granny. Blindsided me. I didn't Did she hit you? Yeah, I didn't see her there. <laughs> that woman slapped you upside your head. It didn't hurt. It was an old granny slap. But she did get through, brother. She did get through, brother. She got through. You got, man, you got slapped. Micah, Micah has like a scoreboard that he keeps now. He's like, yep, just got cussed out three times. He's like, and got threatened. I'm like, all right. He's like. And then the crazy, the, the crazy Chetty Hunter came. The Chetty Hunter came to look for, he walks up, he turns around to Micah, scares Micah like it's a ghost or something. He turns around, Micah doesn't know, charges forward to Micah and goes, are you Chet Cooley? <laughs> then we sent Luke over there to stand by him. I was like, look, Micah, you can't, Micah goes, can I go back over there? Can I go back over there? I was like, only if Luke goes with you. So Micah could say, only Luke is with me now. Because Luke went over there to stand. Luke's like towering over this guy when he comes up, and Luke's standing there like this. <laughs> with his sunglasses on. Looking down at him. Did you want something? Guy walks off. He's a coward, man. I was hoping he'd come talk to me. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to go. He's going to get punched by somebody. That guy's gotten punched a lot. That poor, tormented guy, he's got devils. I told those guys he should have a shirt on that says, got devils? I mean, he, he is definitely possessed. Nobody walks around, p finds all the tracks on the ground, rips them up, and throws away. Blows his nose with them. He blows his nose with them. Yeah, did he scare that guy? That's too bad. That's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, remember the twitch and sodomite at the end, though? They always twitch when they get angry. He was mad at us. Hey, I, t I tried to help him. 
We did. You have that on video. You're going to spice that video off. And we're, we tried to help him. We took our time with him. Tried to answer his questions. And we normally don't do that. We normally just, I normally just sick Paul on him and be like, and keep preaching. But <laughs> He did preach his homo nomo sermon and you missed it. So I don't know if he's going to preach it. They might not be in the rotation. It might not. We'll see. We'll see. But praise the Lord. Anyway, remember these things or these principles. We'll pick some of these up next week. We want you to, I want you to be strong in these in your marriage. And uh, it's important. All right. Um, it just is. And to have strong families. Remember, we got a busy week ahead of us, too. This was today. Tomorrow, get some rest if you can with your family and enjoy some time with your family. Because we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Next week, Friday and Saturday, Northfield's favorite son. This is my most exciting event of the year. I, I am so looking forward to this. I look forward to it all year. What's that? It is the most wonderful time of the year for me. It, 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 I love this. I do. I love this weekend more. It's my favorite preaching weekend. Yes. They used to make videos about me, but I think they gave up. 